You're listening to the Out of Range Podcast with Tony Franklin, powered by Bolt TV. I'm ready. You're ready. Now, let's get out of range. All right, it's episode 29 of the Out of Range Podcast, and it is going to be a great one. Uh, Matt, are you ready for today's guest? Tony, I have been thinking about this interview for about two weeks once we kind of decided what we wanted to do with this spot. And uh, our guest that's going to be on the show today has signed several bowling pins that are downstairs (laughs) in my basement. And I am thrilled to talk to this gentleman. Yes, yes. I had to use all of my uh, skills to get his number. I had to go to Dell Ballard and say, Dell, I need a number. And then Dell said, all right, hold on a second. And Dell got with Randy Peterson, I think. And we got this guy's number. So uh, without further ado, man, let's get right down to it. So this week on the podcast, we're going to do a where are they now segment. So I always loved it when Sports Illustrated would do those stories. And I want to do it, too. Uh, and like you said, Matt, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Who would be our number one draft pick? So I called him up the other day. Luckily, he said yes. So tonight, <laughs> tonight, we welcome an absolute fan favorite, one of my favorites, too. He's a five-time PBA Titleist, which includes the 1993 Tournament of Champions from Indianapolis, Indiana, Mr. George Brandon III. Welcome, George. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I didn't know I was that popular Man, that's great. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, and that's, you know, kind of that's what we'll get into a little bit tonight is, you know, you just uh, a memorable player for a lot of reasons. You had a great style. Uh, you're always smiling on TV and you were highly successful when you're on TV. And I can, you know, that's one of the one of the things I think Matt and I really want to kind of want to understand is uh, you. I think you still hold a record for most consecutive victories on TV to start a career with eight uh, is that, is that, is that true? Is that, is that still a, a record that exists? Yeah, it still, uh, exists. Um, trying to think of the bullet that almost broke it. Um, can't think of anything right off the bat right now, but yeah, it's still, it's still there. Pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so tell us, how did you get started? You grew up in uh, Southern California as a bowler. Who were some of the guys you bowled with in California at that time, or maybe some of the, the pros that you looked up to and idolized? Well, first of all, I'm, I started bowling in Detroit. I'm originally from Detroit, Detroit Michigan. So uh, as a young teenager, my parents moved up to California, and that's when I really started doing a lot of bowling. And uh, the bowlers that I – I know Randy Peterson was one of the one of the bowlers I looked up to at that time because he was junior bowler coming out and getting ready to start on the tour at, at that time. So I followed him and Walter Ray, Walter Ray Williams. He was actually my first roommate on tour that I uh, got you hooked know, up with. Walter Ray, he he was who you kind of started rooming with on tour. Yeah, actually, we were at a regional. Uh, in the year that I was the, the year that starting the tour, and um, I didn't have a roommate. I said I was going to start going out on tour. I was going to try the first few stops. And Walter Ray happened to hear me talking about it, and he said, I don't have a roommate. And that's how we ended up hooking up. He, and I ended up rooming with him. He had a car and transportation and everything. 
<laughs> That's great. Nice. And as you think about it, I forgot that Walter Ray was from California. So in this time frame, you, Randy Peterson, Walter Ray, was, was Mark Baker. He was from Southern California too, right? Yeah, yeah. I used to watch. I, would, I used to watch all these guys bowl because we had a tournament uh, that uh, a lot of the pros bowled uh, in uh, Cal- Southern, Southern California, and they competed a lot of the pros. And uh, I would see, you know, local pros, and then guys that w- would bowl on tour. I'd see them too. And uh, Baker, Mark Baker, was one of them. Um, There's quite a few of them that were out there. Yeah, that that's a man. Matt, Mark Baker, that's that's another. I had such a man crush on Mark Baker. I just love watching him bowl on TV. Because anybody, hey, anybody that hooked the ball off the lane, you know, I'm definitely a fan of. I mean, not only yeah, that, he was, but he, coach, he coaches the Silver Silver Lake Adam splitters, Tony. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, I can, I can imagine Mark Baker being a coach, you know, the way he was. <laughs> he just he never seen Yeah, like back in the day. Guy. Yeah, he was always full of fire and attitude when he was when he was right. on tour and was on TV, right? Oh yeah, he was one of the. He was like uh, you know Marshall Holman type of guy, you know, all that get on TV and you can't beat him. And if you won a tournament, if he wasn't there, it really wasn't a tournament. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You know, that's but awesome. it's 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 interesting. One thing that I noticed about about you, George, is, is you were very cool, calm, and collected when you're on TV, but yet you had such a great record. So it, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to portray that fire. I mean, you, you were just go up, make a shot, come back, sit down, focus on the next shot. I mean, and, and you had one of the best records on TV, right? I mean, coming right out of the gates with eight wins. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how you do it. You can get it done either way. Yeah. Well, well, the whole key was I was always wanting to, to make TV. And once I got there, I knew I was already making money. I was already going to get paid. So now it's like how much <laughs> I was going to get paid. You know, so I was never nervous about it. I knew everybody was watching. But once you start bowling, you just focus on that. And that's basically what I did. And, and uh, I, I think another reason, if you have good experience the first time, you know, you come back and you have a lot more confidence. Now, sometimes guys, you know, they lose, a, you know, maybe bowl one game and lose and they don't have that confidence. When they get there, they, they worry about that when they get back there. For me, it was like when I get there, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to be back, so I'm going to try to win it, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so you went out on tour in 1986. Kind of what drove your decision, you know, to you, see, you mentioned you wanted to bowl some of the first few stops and, rooming with Walter Ray, but kind of what was the, what was the driving force in your decision to go on tour? So I was, uh, I joined the PBA in 1984 and I, I bowled, you know, regionals pretty much that whole season. And then near the end of the season, that's when I actually was bowling pretty well. So I had a lot of confidence. So I decided that was the time that I was going to try the tour because I wanted to make sure I was confident and my game was good and everything. So the only way I could do it was I had to go back then. You had to go to PBA school. Yeah. So the only school they had was in San Antonio, Texas. Or if I didn't do that, I would have had to do the school when it came to California. And then I would have missed, you know, the first couple stops. So I decided that's what I was going to do. So in in October, I flew out to San Antonio, went to the school, did that. And I set myself up 
just to see if I was even good enough to bowl on tour. And I said I'd bowl the first three stops, which were a couple of California stops, and I think Las Vegas was the third stop. So the first stop was uh, Union City, California, and uh, 19, this was 1985. And uh, I, uh, the first week, I uh, bowled a rabbit at the bowl of rabbit, the qualifier. I shoot 160, I think shoot 160 under. They were tough, so I, but I make it. But I make it easy Ooh. though. I make it. I get out of the rabbit pretty easy. So you make it yeah. out of the rabbit 160 I make it under. Out of the rabbit 160 under, easy. Oh God, I mean, they was, had to have been brutal. They were, they were hard, and uh, um, so we get to the uh, to the next day of practice session, and all of a sudden this shot is pretty much the same. I was like, wow, this still pretty tough. But now I've already had you know 10 games on it. So uh, I knew what I needed to do, and um, I ended up shooting in the tournament. I ended up shooting 120 some over, I think, and I make I make the cut, and I I finished 18th that week. All right. My first my first tournament. First tournament on PBA. Yeah. I'd I'd say that's a pretty good start. So so your first title was the 86 Brunswick Memorial World Open, and you defeated right. the one and only Mark Roth. Who, who was an absolute legend of the game. You won three matches that day. What, right. what do, you, what do yeah. you recall from that, that first show and title? Well, it was, it was a dream come true to even, you know, to make, make the show because that's what I, I always wanted to do. Is, and, and, you know, this was going into my – this was the end of my second year. So they said usually by the end of the second – year maybe start your third year you should be getting close to making shows or, or if you have the ability to stay out there and finally i i i i bowled well in this tournament the world open which is one of our which should be a major but back then it wasn't a major. right that's right you know so it's had the same amount of games as a major does and and uh so i um ended up grinding through that and I ended up making that show barely uh, by one. Actually, Tom Christ gets up in the, in the tenth frame. He needs a strike to knock me off the show, and he leaves a solid nine. <laughs> wow! And I ended up making my first my first TV show. So I uh, so when I got on there, man, it was like finally got here. I was I I was nervous, of course, because first time ever, first show. And, um, but I just, once, the, once, the, once we started, I just focused on what I needed to do, you know, and, uh, I ended up bowling, getting through three matches and ended up bowling Mark, which was, I couldn't believe it. Cause this is the guy I watched growing up as a kid when, when Mark Roth and Earl Anthony bowled each other, that was always the best show. And I beat him by a few pins, what, 190. 194 to 196 or something like that. It was a close match. Yeah, you had to wow. spare the uh, spare the seven pin to win. Do you remember that shot at all? Having to make the seven pin for the title. Yeah, because when I threw it, I thought I struck. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you had the early slap off. In front of the, right, the five pin went <laughs> right in front of the seven, and I thought I I thought I struck, and I was like, oh no. And at that time, fours and sevens were my toughest spare at that time. 
cross lane going across because they were always tricky. They were super tight and they hooked a lot more. So I didn't even think about it, grabbed the ball, and I just went, you know, and I didn't even think about what that meant if I make that spare. I just said, just don't miss it. So, uh, Tony, I, so, uh, okay, George, I'm watching your match against Ryan Schaefer. Is, he was on that show as well. And Tony, I don't know. I need you to watch this. <laughs> Ryan Schaefer's push away. R- George, Ryan Schaefer's push away was higher than his forehead. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm watching it right now, and I cannot absolutely believe it. I, I didn't even realize Ryan Schaefer was bowling on tour back in 1986. Yeah, he looks like he was about 14 years old. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. I mean, his push away is literally above his forehead. Uh, no, he's just getting every bit of it. I mean, he's oh, he's not missing yeah. none of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. He jumped all over. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you became the first African-American to win the PBA title that day. Did that factor into your mind or what that legacy even meant? Yeah, well, through all the years of bowling, you know, I, I watched a few black bowls make it, Willie Willis, uh, Charlie Venable, and and I kept thinking no one's ever won, but I said by the time I get there, probably, you know, four or five guys would have won by then. So when I got on tour and still had one, I still thought about it, but it was nothing that, that I was trying to do just for that reason. I just, I was a bowler. I just wanted to win. I wanted to be a professional bowler and do that for a living. That was my goal. It wasn't to be the first black ever. And that and happened, of course, but it wasn't something I was trying to plan to do or it was all in my mind at all. And and when it came to that point, I still didn't even think about it until it, they started talking about it after, the, after I had won, you know. Uh, all right, so, George, now you won four more titles after that first one, uh, your last one being in Cleveland. So when did you bowl your final PBA Tour event, and kind of what was the determining factor in your retirement? Uh, that was a bad. That was a bad year. I didn't have a good year that year, 2002. Um, so the PBA had been taken over by uh, Chris Peters, and and they've been going through all these experiments with 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 our tour, with changing the formats and stuff, and. And all the things they were doing, to me, it wasn't helping me. It wasn't giving me an advantage or anything. It was almost doing the opposite. I was still being pretty consistent cash-wise, but, you know, cost of living and expenses are going up and, and, um, and you know, price runs going in the other direction, down. So uh, near the end of that year, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. It just wasn't fun anymore. It was a grind. Um, I didn't know where the direction they were going. And I just, I was turning 40. I just turned 40. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I, maybe I need to think about the other things. I really have support at home because my daughter's six, going on six years old. And, and she's uh, thinking I'm never coming home. <laughs> so right. I, I said, I think it's, it's time for me to, to, to do something, to make a decision on, on not doing this for a while and do something else. 
and and that's why that's not the way I wanted to retire. But it 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 all came in at at one time. I I started getting these sciatic nerves in my back. I had all these issues going on, and I worked out. I was in pretty good shape. And it, I think the stress of where the direction the tour was going and and the way my game was going. I didn't want to change. It was like a different era of bowlers were coming out there. And I just, I, I didn't have any help in to figure out, well, do I need to change my game or, or what? So I just decided this is time to stop. I mean, that, that had to have been difficult to leave the sport that you've done for so long, starting in, in Detroit. Well, you know, going from Detroit to Southern California and then really breaking out and getting out on tour. I mean, that had to be difficult, right, George? Oh, yeah. It was, uh, you know, I've been out there 18 years. And right. to to stop just like that, decided in that month, in right, basically in that fall, that fall tour, to decide that this is, I'm done after this, for real. I used to say that all the time, I'm done. But yeah. it wasn't in my heart. You know, you get mad over weeks of you struggle and stuff, and you say, that's it, I'm, I'm going to quit. And then you don't. But but this was for real. And I just, it was nowhere else for me to go. And and I just, all those years, and said, you know what, I guess it is time. You know, 18 years of this. You know, I nobody knows this, but I sponsored myself all those years. That was all my own money. So I had it hard from the beginning because, you know, you get a sponsor, you get out there and you, you learn how to bowl on tour. You don't come out there to learn how to bowl, but you learn how to bowl on tour because if you don't learn how to bowl before you come out on tour, then you don't need to come out there. You got to be able to bowl before you come out there. So yeah. I, right away, I had to, you know, make money to keep going. So I always had that underlying pressure, but I didn't mind that because that's the way I wanted it, you know. But, um, it, you know, it's so for me, it was always a grind anyway. You know, even, even every, every time that I had success, it had weeks of, of struggle, you know. So when I got there, it's like, finally, it gave me a break, and I, or I'd win, or I'd, I'd make a show, and it would give me more confidence, and then I would go the rest of the year being pretty good. But it was always this, up, this roller coaster with me. My whole career it was just so up and down, man. It was, it was frustrating. It never could. I never could get to a peak and just level out up there. It was always, oh, you're up. Now you're back down again. Now you're back up again. So that was that's the way my game was. That's the way my career was. You know. <laughs> All right. So uh, so then you retire in 2003, and then what did you do next? So I sit around the house thinking, what am I going to do? I'm 40 years old. <laughs> I don't, I didn't go to college. So um sitting there reading the one ads or not the one ads, but the, um, what's the hiring. Uh, and um, there's a, there's a thing they're having a hiring session at Pepsi and they're going to take 200 applicants. I'm thinking, I don't have a chance at this because, first of all, I my own job is bowling. I'm a p- professional bowler, and they're going to say, well, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> so I decided to do it, and I, I went on this Saturday, this hiring session on the Saturday, 
and I, and I walk into this room, and it's only like 20 people there. And the guy that comes down is going to, to do the interviews. He says, well, if everybody's background checks out, everybody's hired. And he looks over, and he, and he looks at me, and he goes, I know you. And he's pointing at me, and I'm thinking, who is this guy? What do you mean he knows me? He goes, I know you. You're that, you're that bowler. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And all these people look at me, bowler? Who is this guy talking about bowling? And after that, basically, I probably got the job at Pepsi. <laughs> That's great. That's the way it's supposed to work. Bowlers are supposed to get a little preferential treatment once in a while. I like it. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. And then uh, you still work at Pepsi today, correct? 20 years later? 17 uh, years later, yeah, I guess? This is 17th seven, 17 year right now. The crazy part is I've bowled on tour for eight, 18 years. I can't believe it that I've been off the tour 17 years. It's, yeah, it's that, unbelievable. that's the crazy part, right? Is the, the time, all the time you spent working on that. Uh, and then, you know, the next stage in life, I guess it goes faster, right? I guess it, it, it didn't seem like that, but it, I guess it did. And I, and I think that's interesting because, uh, like I mentioned on the phone the other day, uh, I also work at Pepsi. So, uh, Pepsi must love bowlers. So I've been with Pepsi for 20, 20 years now. Uh, down oh, here in, wow. in, in Dallas, so uh, I guess uh, oh, cool. I guess that's a good thing. Pepsi Pepsi takes care of bowlers, and they sponsor lots of bowling things. So Matt, there you go. That's why that's why Pepsi is in every bowling center cafe around the world, right there. They love bowlers. And then one, as I started working there, you know, a couple months ago, by and then that's when they, I would go to I would go to stops, and people would recognize me. And I have on my Pepsi uniform, hat and everything, and, and they were like, thinking, they thought that Pepsi was sponsoring me, and I was going around just doing stuff. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, I would come over and tell my wife, and she was going, you're lying. She thought I was making up stuff every day. I said, you wouldn't believe how many people have noticed me today. She goes, come on, man, it can't be. I said, I'm telling you, it, it happened. It's crazy. <laughs> A lot more people watch bowling than we ever thought, you know? See, that's true. That's that's very true. And especially with the Pepsi, Pepsi's always been very connected to bowling, especially in the kind of early 2000s and up until today. You know, it's got a big presence. I'm not surprised. That's funny. You know, but like I mentioned, uh, no one, shockingly, no one recognizes me uh, as a bowler at my <laughs> office. <laughs> I can't imagine why that is. <laughs> Uh, Tony, were you ever on TV besides World Team Challenges? Right, I was never on TV and I never won anything. That's why, doggone it, I knew oh. I'd figure it out. George, how much do you bowl these days? How much do you stay in touch with pro bowling today? And really, what drove you away from the competitive side of bowling? So let's start, how much do you bowl? Do you bowl still? I bowl once a week, and uh, it's on Saturday. And I bowled three games a week. I, I can't even remember the last time I practiced, actually. <laughs> Worked on my game. And it's like, I can't believe that I'm out here bowling, competing, and I don't even practice. So I come in cold, and right away I'm working on my timing because that's the only thing I care about, to be able to repeat <laughs> shots. And, and some days it, it works. Some days it's, it's pretty ugly. But 
I mean, I still, I guess, enjoy it in some kind of way. I don't know. And now, so so, Go how ahead. much do you stay in? How much do you stay in touch with pro bowling today? Are you still watching the shows? Are you tied in with? I mean, watching watching some of the PBA telecasts and and I know you mentioned that you and Randy, uh, you know, roomed together or knew each other in Southern California. Obviously, he's a big face of the tour with with doing a lot of the commentating. But are you right. uh, do you, do you watch a lot of the shows? So um, me and Randy, we roomed together for I don't know five six years on tour, and um, so at the beginning. When I first retired, I kind of watched it a little bit, but then I, I kind of lost contact with it because there were all these new players that I didn't know anything about in the game, and you know, of course, passed me up already a few times. And these new players, it was just a whole different type of bowling, and I just, I didn't, I really didn't like it, you know. So I um, didn't watch too much of that, and every now and then I would. Someone would call me up and say, you got to watch the show. Somebody's on it. So I would watch it. And um, and I watched it a few times. I mean, it's, I like it. And and I just, I just so disappointed. And, and the whole, the money thing. I wish, wish these bowlers made money, man. It's, that's, a, that's my only complaint with, with bowling. They can throw two hands, three hands, one hand, a half a hand. I don't care about that. <laughs> They're not making money. And it's silly to see that when these guys work just as hard as all these other athletes. It makes me mad because I see these guys out here and the the time and the effort they put into it. And then you, at the end of the week, you say, here's 10000 here's 15000 for your week of bowling. And just, it's just terrible. And that's the only thing. That's why I think I can't watch it because these guys are worth way more money than that. And to see them do it, I applaud them for doing it because I know they love it. That shows that they love the game, but it's not paying them right, though. It's it's really refreshing to hear you as a five-time Titleist and a person who has truly grinded and been and lived that life week to week. So it's pretty cool. I mean, and I think you would agree with this to see some of these guys getting a chance to compete for a hundred thousand dollars or $50,000. I mean, that's truly life-changing money for some of these folks. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you know, the tour was when I was out there at early nineties, when it, it was starting to really peak and, and going upward, um, we were almost averaging like sixty thousand for the first for uh, you know an average tournament, you know, and it was it was we were starting to make some pretty decent money, and if you think of at, at that time to today, these guys should be making a half a million dollars easily a, a tournament, you know, for for winning or more, you know. Yeah, and that's a good point, right? You uh, in 1986, right? So your first title, you you made thirty three thousand dollars in 1986. Yeah, they don't even average that now. I yeah, years ago, and and if they made thirty three thousand dollars for the win today, they would be happy as hell with that win, you know, which is crazy. <laughs> right, and that's what I and that's what I tell. And then guys say, well, why do you, why didn't you stay with it? I said, just look at the money. Yeah. I mean, I love bowling. I love it. That, that's my life. That made me who I am. 
You know, that's all I wanted to be at 16 years old is a professional bowler. I saw Mark Ross. I saw Earl Anthony, Marshall Holman, all these, Johnny Petraga, all these guys on TV, and I'm thinking, that is the best thing to do for a living is bowl, something fun, you know, a sport, you know. And here I am. I have that dream, and it happens. I meet these guys. I'm out here bowling with these dudes that I've watched on TV. Don't know me from nobody. Now I'm their best. I'm their good friend. I stayed with Johnny Petraga at home. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, that's and awesome. Now, to look at the 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 money thing, and everybody says, why is all this money? Because that's what sports is. Look at LeBron and those guys. Basketball, baseball, football. These guys are making millions. Doing a sport, and, and here's bowling been on national TV all these years, and the best we can get is a hundred thousand. Really, it's a blue collar sport. It ain't a white collar sport like tennis and golf. It's a blue collar sport, so everybody does it. You would think that would be the most money, the most average people bowl. Right. Nobody. Who 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 do you know that that has a membership of country club tennis? <laughs> yeah. So when you started in, uh, you know, 1984, did you feel like the money was good? Like, aside from the fact that it was your passion and that's all you wanted to do, which, George, I think that's really cool because at 16 years old, Matt, I'm sure you'd say the same thing. That's all I wanted to do is bowl. That's all I wanted to do is bowl professionally on tour, get on TV. Those were all my same dreams, too. Uh, right. And at that point, you know, in 1984, was the money good I, you know, oh, relative yeah. the money, to the cost of living? To the cost of living was great, especially yeah. between when I started to the early 90s. That was a great you, – you made 50000 That was a lot of money. Back. That was like making probably 100000 to today's, you know, yeah. winning, winning a tournament to pay forty fifty thousand. 50000 would be close to like on an average to a hundred thousand today. So yeah, it was, that was a good chunk of money. Yeah, definitely. So I, I 100% agree with you, George, about, you know, these guys, it's a blue collar sport, but that doesn't mean that the guys who are out there bowling aren't working just as hard as any other athletes that are out there in some of the other sports, like you'd mentioned, football, baseball, basketball. And that's one thing that I think attracted um, me as a young bowler to a person like yourself, you came out on tour, you threw it smooth, but you were in great shape and you could tell that you took it seriously and that, that, that was something that was important to you. Did you work out a lot? I mean, was that something that was a part of your game that, that you tried to kind of meld in together? Yeah, I, um, when I started room with Amletto, I, uh, he was a big fitness guy, man. Work out every day. I mean, he never misses a day. He takes off only on Sunday. And I started hanging with him because, you know, I played sports my whole life from a kid all the way through high school and everything. So I was always in the sports and I always wanted to do some sport professionally. I didn't know what it was going to be. And, uh, I started hanging out with him and we started going to the gym working out because after I stopped, after I graduated high school, I really stopped working out because it's like, well, I don't need to work out for I'm not in high school. I'm not playing basketball anymore. I'm bowling, but I felt like bowling. I didn't have to do all that. But then I realized when I went out on tour, 
man, you can get lazy and you can gain a lot of weight sitting around hotel room because you had a lot of time to do nothing, but you didn't have enough time to do a lot of things either because you were too busy trying to rest for bowling and, you know, you're there for that week, but that week is always covered with everything. You can't really do anything. So I realized that I got to start working out because I started gaining weight and um, I started hanging with him and then I started going to the gym, man. It, that became my routine. we get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to the gym and we'd have, you, you know, we'd have a squad that started at, you know, 9. And, and I we, truly I, remember, I, I truly remember Bo Burton talking about that on the old shows about Amleto and you and some of these guys that were literally taking it, taking the working out piece a lot more serious running. John Maza, I think was another one that liked to go and run and do a lot of the workout and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool to hear because I think that's one thing that I see with bowling today. And I think you'd probably agree is that the, for the, for the most part, it seems like most of the bowlers are trying to incorporate some sort of physical fitness into their games. Right. And today's bowlers are a lot more fit looking. Yeah. I mean, than in the past, which is good because that was one of our stigmas of bowling was these guys are, are beer drinkers and they got uh, pop bellies and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's like, but that's it. That's not true. That's you talking one or two bowlers. I mean, most of these guys are athletes and, and most of them stay pretty fit. They might not, they might not go out there lifting weights, but, but they may be running and, and doing a little bit of stuff, but, but they're not trying to be a bodybuilder. And, and a lot of bowlers would mistaking that. They say, well, if I go work out, then I'm going to be all stiff and tight. And stuff. I said, no, you're not, because you, if you're doing it on a daily basis, you work out, and in that first 20 or 30 minutes after you're done, that goes away. That, that whatever you think, that tightness stuff, that goes away, and it's almost like you didn't even work out. I mean, you're, you're like nice and loose. By the time we started bowling, it's like, I felt good. I wasn't tired. Or nothing. I had energy after working. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a yeah, that's a good observation. I, I agree. I think the bowlers of today, uh, they are working out a lot, and you see a lot of that. They're a lot more fit. Uh, Marshall Kent, uh, AJ Johnson, those guys, and there's a lot more than just them. But those are just two that come to mind for guys that are getting a lot of uh, publicity for the amount of. Um, respect they're giving the game not to be a skill game a sport and being in the best shape they can but not necessarily to your point george like i said they're not trying to be a bodybuilder they're just trying to be really fit flexible in shape durable right because they're bowling tons of games exactly and and to get to that point to get to being a bodybuilder that's all you got to you have to be doing it all the time not just you can't be bowling or none of that stuff so yeah that's never going to happen anyway so, but Good. a lot of guys didn't believe in that. You know, when I was in, in the era that I bowled, it was only a handful of guys that actually worked out on a regular basis. Very small handful, yeah. yeah so, so George, small. I, I want to shift gears, and, and I got a couple of selfish questions that I want to ask. So who okay. were the most difficult matchups for you uh, when, when you were in your prime? Uh, that would be... Walter Ray, 
he always seemed to find a way to beat me. I mean, he beat me a couple times on TV, which I wasn't very happy. But the one time he beat, he beat me, it was after, you know, I, I go through these droughts and stuff. So I had, I had gone, it was my going to my, I think it was my third title, the Baltimore Open. And this is, a, this is how my career kind of went. So the week before was Erie, Pennsylvania. And the week before that, I I was in a slump, right? A couple weeks slump. So, um, I talked to uh, Randy because that's the only guy I kind of would confide in things because I that's the guy I trusted because he knew my game and and I believe he would help me. So we'd go out. He worked with me with my game and practice and stuff. And so that week he worked with me at Erie, Pennsylvania. I make the show that week. I bowled great that week. I make the show, so now I'm on a high, right? So the next week is Baltimore, but I didn't enter it because Baltimore was a really tough condition, grind every year. I never, my best finish was a check there. I never had a chance of making cuts there. It just was, and it wasn't a fun place for me to bowl. But because I bowled well, I made that show in Erie. I decided, you know what, I want to enter because I'm on a high and feeling good and bowling good. So I go to Baltimore, and it turns out that I end up winning that tournament. That the tournament that I didn't even like to bowl in, I ended up winning the thing. And the crazy thing about that Teal was, Rhino, Teal Rhino Pro, I think that day. Yeah. Teal <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that was the year that they had the big uh, snowstorm that came across the country. Like the Friday night, it was no snow, beautiful weather. They said this big storm is coming across the country, starting from the West Coast, and it's coming. And this, we caught up the next morning, and it was like we were in Alaska. I mean, it was, you know, 10 feet of snow, and they were, you couldn't go out in the streets, you couldn't drive, none of that stuff. We almost had to walk to the bowling center for the TV show. They only had like 60 people to show up for the telecast for that show because the weather was so bad, the roads were so bad, and um, and of winning that for my my third title, and uh, <laughs> that just changed everything. And so on that show, uh, I won the tournament, and then it was the King of the Hill. And oh, my favorite! And I <laughs> yes. But I was so glad that I won that I didn't even care about the King of the Hill. And I shoot 140. <laughs> he beats me, right? So I said, well, next time that happens, I'm, I'm going to be ready because it ain't going to be such a shock because it ain't going to be another four or five years before I win again. And the, the month later was the uh, tournament champions. And and that's and that's when I I won that one. So it so that's how my game was. That's how my career was. It was like so these up and down things. And that was only my second time bowling the tournament champion. Yeah, that was uh, that was when I think the last time it was the Firestone tournament right. of champions too. That's the last Firestone too, yeah. right? That's great. 
Hey, uh, George, so I wanted a, a quick follow-up to a question from earlier. The two, it's a two-parter. Uh, first mm -hmm. off, you say you bowl league on Saturday. So who the hell bowls a Saturday league besides a 12-year-old, right? <laughs> Is it a youth league? Why are you bowling league on a Saturday? No, it's, a, it's a, actually a <laughs> big competitive uh, team, five-man team league. It's, wow. It's the best in Indianapolis. Put it that way, and and wow. it's the oldest bowling center in Indianapolis. It they still bowl on on uh, Wood Lane's Guardian. Guardian. Oh my god. god! I'm in. I want to go and bowl this <laughs> league, Tony. I'm out. Yeah. And the crazy part is they don't they don't strip them with your oil when we bowl in that league. They'll have open bowlers bowling, throwing plastic balls, maybe on one lane, and maybe they don't have any games on the other lane. And all they do is come out and oil the First 25 feet of the lane. That's it. Oh, my gosh. All right. That's I'm crazy. Five-person <laughs> Saturday league on Guardian. That is and crazy. It's, and, it's, and it's full. The house is 48 <laughs> lanes. Oh, my yes. goodness gracious. Oh, man. And and what are, you, what are you averaging in this league with no practice uh, last, and three games a week? The last two years, I averaged uh, 223. <laughs> hey George, but my uh, career I think you, should enter in a P you need to get to the PBA fifty, man. Come on now. Yeah, you my last, my, but the the years before, I've been bowling that league since two thousand um, seven, I think, and I didn't average nothing under two thirty up until the last two years. Two thirty once once a week. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, do you believe? Can you believe that, dude? Averaging two thirty on that garbage. Uh, I mean, I believe George it, Random the Third can do it. And it, it's AMF, it's AMF uh, pin setters, and they're old and they never own spot. You always have bad open racks. open racks, <laughs> oh, bad racks. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. you know three pins behind the head pin, almost touching <laughs> the five. I mean, Golly. you can leave solid sixes in that place, man, easily. It sounds like Indianapolis's version of the of the Peterson tournament. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. See, that's that's crazy. Still, still rocking it. Three games a week, not a practice shot in the last decade, and dominating on the garbage guardian in a five. You know, and I, and, but the, the bad part is, is I got the nerve to get mad when I don't bowl well. It's like, are you serious, dude? You don't even work at it, and you get pissed off like I'm out on tour. I well, still don't accept. I don't accept both bad bowling. Period. And you can ask my wife. I don't play it. I, <laughs> it, I told her I said, when I bowl bad, just don't talk to me for a couple hours because I'm not happy. So oh. don't even try. <laughs> that's that's the way champions do it, right there. Exactly. So, so Matt mentioned the the PBA fifty. Have you given any thought to kicking it down the lane? Because I mean, they bowl on China on the PBA fifty. Don't let anybody fool you. I mean, everybody out there is averaging two forty. Yeah. So they're bowling on China. Yet, have you thought about kicking around some of those? Well, I've been thinking about it ever since I turned fifty. Now I'm fifty-seven. <laughs> but, the, but the crazy part is it is I got my PBA card back when I turned fifty. So I said, yeah, I'm going to bowl some, you know, the the senior tour, the fifties, right? And I kept saying it. And every time I would decide to do it, I was pissed off about my bowling. I said, I'm not bowling nothing. 
and I and it, it always would happen every summer, right when the when the tour was getting ready to start, the fifty tour was going to start. I'd say, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not bowling well. I'm not happy with my game. I don't even practice. Why do I think I'm going to go out there and and beat these guys? <laughs> these guys are working at it. I'm not. So George, do you bowl? Do you bowl USBCs or any like regional tournaments or anything like that? Just your three games a week in league, is that right? I bowled. I bowled one regional since I retired. I bowled actually. I bowled three of the the, the tour stops when they came here to Indianapolis. I bowled. Um, I think three times. I bowled the tournament champions a couple of years ago, and I said. I start off the first game. I shoot two ninety nine. Oh man, this is going to be a great tournament. And that was my tournament, two ninety nine. And I decided, I said, you know what? I'm done bowling with these kids, man. I, no way, I can't do it. Everybody, everybody revs the ball. I mean, there's nobody that does not rev the ball. I'm a straight player compared to these guys. Hey, I. Here's here's the deal, George. Tony Tony and his wife Jeannie are always looking for a bowler for USBC. So Tony, I mean, <laughs> like it seems like every year you guys are looking for a bowler. Would it always not be down. sweet to have George Branham oh. III bowling bowling with you guys at USBCs? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love that, man. That's right. Keep your phone turned on, George. We're gonna call next year because we're we're probably not going to bowl this year now that we've been pushed back right. so far. So keep your phone on. We'll we'll call you since we lose someone in the next to last week. So, right, right. Well, hey, uh, George, yeah. it's been fantastic tonight. Uh, thank you so much. Really has been a dream come true for for Matt and I uh, to get an opportunity to talk to you. I I no. totally. Go ahead. No, I I, t- I I have to echo Tony's sentiments as well. When we were kicking this idea around, you were the first person that came up. And it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to talk to you 100%, sir. Yep. Well, thank you. I mean, that's an honor for me to, for you guys to, to think that, I mean, you know, when you called me, I, I thought you were some, some telemarketer or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, who is this? I know. I I know. Really interview me. I mean, it's been so many years that, that anybody talked to me about, about my career in bowling, you know, and it's like, I mean, I talk to these guys when I bowl league and stuff, and they always ask me little things about the tour and stuff. And uh, I said, man, it's been forever. So I'm, I'm just glad and delighted that somebody still thinks about it, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that, you know? that, that's cool that I guess, uh, you know, mission accomplished with this. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely happy that Matt, we decided to do this and definitely decided uh, to pick George and yeah it's always difficult for that blind call out of the blue but I'm glad you answered uh, and again I, I love reliving some of the stories and just getting some insight from you uh, it's it definitely you you were always one of the, the biggest fan favorites in bowling and one of the greatest bowlers uh, the sport's ever seen so uh, for the Out of Range podcast episode 29 Matt and I uh, thank you very much George we really appreciate the time alright well I thank you